With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. If there were a world record award to give for world's greatest delay of game, it would definitely go to 2020. But even though MLB had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Right now, Indeed is offering listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash SBMLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash SBMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Banter take two. (laughs) (laughs) I promise to do better this time. You know, it's funny that we confuse our children with our dogs. Because confusing our children with our dogs... The more that you're around them makes increasingly more sense. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Haley is is at this point right now where she is just now surpassing the dog in terms of, like, intelligence. Yes. And there was a small period of time there, and I don't know if I got to banter with you about it, where she was at, like, the same level of, like, (laughs) intelligence as the dog where she would pick up on a word. Like, we would say, uh, nap. Yeah. And you want to go take a nap? And she would jump up and she would run to her bedroom and like point to her crib. It took us a while to realize she's not actually tired. She just knows the word and knows the word nap is associated with I go in my bedroom and I go in my crib. Uh, we would say the word school hmm. and she would run to the front door and start banging on the front door going, let me go to school. Yeah. But she didn't actually like know why. She was just like, I heard a word, and this is the action that goes with it. That's like a dog. You say, you say, you want to go in your crate? Emily runs in her crate. You want to go for a walk? Emily freaks out. You want a treat? But now Haley has just now in the last like week started with like, like you want to go to school? And she'll just wave you off no. <laughs> and so like, she started with yes and no. She started yeah. with opinions. She's now talking. She, she talks back to us sometimes. Um so now she's, but yeah, up until this point, there's been not a lot of difference between small human child and dog. So it's it's easy to confuse the two. Well, I mean, at the Elston house, James is eight years old and, and Samson's about the equivalent of eight years old. So in dog years. So we've got two bundles of energy in our house. But the thing about Samson is it's a, it's a fun name and we call him Sammy, but in honor, we were talking about Justified before we hit record. I could have named him Boyd Crowder, and it would have been the perfect name. Because he's a terror? 
because he is a thief. (laughs) (laughs) Murders people. He is a thief, and he knows that if he wants to steal something, the best way to do it is to blow something else up in a different room in the house. And while you're distracted. Yes. Head to the kitchen and get to work. That's a pretty smart dog. He is a rascal. Maybe he is of equal intelligence to James. (laughs) Make the Padres great again. We are back in the summer studio on a very humid evening, but now that it's cooled off, it's kind of perfect out here. This is what happened last night, too. At about 8 o'clock at night, all of a sudden, it's just, like, perfect out here. The rest of the day, it's been terrible, but as soon as the heat kind of dissipates and the humidity goes away a little bit, it's wonderful. It's a tanned and rested and rejuvenated John Gennaro over there. Back from Florida. You ever been to Florida? Huh. When I was younger, and I choose not to go back at a time like this. It's fair. The humidity is... Far away. Oof. Yeah. I go every summer. People, like... You got roots there, though, don't you? A little ish, bit? not really. I got yeah. family there. Yeah. But... And generally, people will go to Florida in like December and January, and it's pretty empty in July. But I, I tend to go in like June or July every year. I love it. Well, you look good. I've got my cast off after six and a half weeks of being casted. Now I've just got this wonderful stick arm that I get to enjoy. And that means that we are both hale and hearty and a fine fettle. For today's MTPGA. This is the best this podcast is going to sound in literally weeks. It is so, so true. So let's make it a good one for me and you. And we'll start with the good news. Because the Padres have not had a lot of good news since the All-Star break on the field. They have lost and lost and lost. And we record this on a Tuesday night after they have lost again with Robbie Cano. ESPN Update hitting his first career three-home run game, two of them off Chris Paddock, and uh, Padres losing 5-2 to two in New York to the Mets. But prior to heading to Chicago for the middle series of this nine-game road trip, the Padres dipped down to triple and double A, called up Luis Urias, who has since adopted a seeming everyday position at second base, and the uh, Padres TV broadcast was speaking of him as the now everyday second baseman with great certainty on the air today, saying he's playing every day now, he's going to play every day. And then also dipped to double A to call up Los Cubanos, Adrian Morejon and Michel Baez. Unbelievable. To have both of these guys, Morejon, and we'll talk about this more, becoming the first ever Padres opener. And I'm willing to define that in a moment. First ever? I'm willing to define that in a moment. I think you're wrong about that. And then Baez appearing in relief today, so now making his big league debut, and bringing some young 2016 international signing flavor to the Padres' Active 25-man roster. Exciting. This is great. Okay. I agree with everything you said. Here's the negative spin. And I'm not doing this on purpose, and I'm not necessarily doing this because I believe it. I'm doing it just to give both sides to the story. Um, 
this could be a showcase for a trade. This, sure. This could be Preller heard too many times in conversations with guys that he was trying to, to trade Urias and Morejon and Baez to. Yeah, he can hit in the minors, but can he hit in the majors? Sure, he can pitch in double A. What's that mean here? And if Urias comes up and he looks better than he did in the early part of the season, which so far, yes, um, then he's maybe got more value than otherwise. Michelle Baez comes up and looks good, which not so much today. Um, now he can go, look, this stuff plays at this level. Right. Um, Morejon comes up and he's you know blowing people away with 97 miles an hour. He could be like, look, that's not a double-A pitcher. That's just a young kid. Uh, so it, it could absolutely be showcasing talent for a trade and trying to convince someone this is major league ready talent that we have here for you. Counterpoint. What if all these guys are better than the guy that you trade for? I mean, uh, right now I'm I'm down with just let's continue to pump this group with young talent and see what happens. Oh no no no! I the the trade showcase is uh, I don't want to say a doomsday scenario, but like that would piss me off, right? Because at this point, there's no reason to do it. Yeah, like you call these guys up, even if you're calling them up to to show them off. Like you called them up and. There was a there was a point in the I guess season and it was basically right at the All Star break where and we talked about it, the Padres had to decide, are we buyers or are we sellers? Are we making a run for the playoffs or are we not? Right. And it was kinda one of those moments where the team had to show Preller something. You have to show Preller that if he's gonna go get someone for this year. Uh, someone that improves the team this year and maybe gives up a little bit of the future, that it's going to mean something. And right at that crux of the season, they got swept by the Braves, they got embarrassed by the Marlins outside of Chris Paddock, uh, and they almost got swept by the Cubs, save for one good game at the end of the season or end of the series. And now they they get you know essentially embarrassed by Robinson Cano and the Mets in the first game of this series. Right. That that's four series in a row where that I mean they knew Prella didn't have to say anything and he probably didn't. They knew we have to show the front office right now that we are one piece away from making some sort of a playoff run. And in these four series they showed definitively that that is not true. And so even if Urias comes up and he looks good and they start getting calls, no. Michelle Baez pitches a couple times out of the pen and looks great? No. Morejon you know, is the opener once a week and he just crushes it? No. There's no reason to take calls on those guys right now because if you're trading them, you're trading them for someone who's more major league ready or major league seasoned and that guy doesn't isn't needed on this team this year. They showed what they are in the last, was that two weeks? Yeah, and I really thought, and I, I even remember at the beginning of the road trip, Kevin Acey wrote a story which had some wish casting in it, but it, it went through Eric Hosmer, who talked about how the 2013 Royals were a really middling team until around the All-Star break, and then they went on a road trip where they went 8-1, and one, and they really had a big, hot second half, but they came up just short. And they kind of realized, okay, we've got a team. And then, of course, you know, 14, they go to the World Series. 15, they win the World Series. So, 
you know, it, it ignited their run. And I think AC was, you know, wishing upon a star that the Padres were going to go eight and one on this road trip, which at the beginning looked very doable. You could have gone down to Miami and swept, maybe hung in there with Chicago. Mets not looking good. You go in there, you blow them away. Maybe you have a seven and two, eight and one road trip. All of a sudden you're right there. You're right in the mix. Maybe now you are trading for a, a pitcher. But the the thing is, a lot of this that I'm hearing from people in town, from media folks that are clickbaiting and coming up with trade scenarios, it's really wishing upon a star, isn't it? I mean, we keep hearing Noah Syndergaard and Trevor Bauer. Let's start with Cleveland. Cleveland lost today in extra innings, but is 58-42 and 42 right now. Winners of eight of their last ten. Significantly better than the Padres. I mean, they're in wild card position. They've got a good chance right now to be a playoff team. Why the hell would they trade Trevor Bauer, who's been their best starter? And and the best thing about the, the Indians is their pitching. Like, it doesn't make sense. You know, I mean, maybe in the offseason it would make sense for them to add some offense and maybe you find a trade with an outfielder for a pitcher and maybe it's not even Bauer but like in the middle of the season really then the other guy of course has been Syndergaard we've talked about Syndergaard I'm on the record I'm not a big Syndergaard fan no he's been terrible this year and and he's and he's complaining oh the new ball has ruined my slider and like maybe that's true I don't want to piss on the guy but like what you're telling me is this isn't fixable like he himself is saying the, the problem is not me, it's the new baseball. Well, they're not getting rid of it, buddy. So you're telling me that, that if we if the Padres trade for you, this is the guy they're getting. Right. That doesn't interest me. Uh, and, and Trevor Bauer doesn't really interest me either. And, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's just a bad human being. I'm with you. And like... Be I'm, like adding a low grade Kurt Schilling to I'm, your team. I'm gonna I'm gonna get away from the fact that like I don't want to root for him. And I'm gonna get into the fact that like the the two best things about the 2019 Padres is one there's a bunch of young talent right that they haven't had in a long time they haven't had talent this good or this young in a really really long time on the Padres correct so in terms of context and and, and comparative narrative it's it's wonderful the other thing is they love each other man the the starting rotation walks out to every game together we see them dancing and singing in the clubhouse you want to bring in a, a guy like that into this clubhouse? Yeah. Like, why? Right. So, yeah, this, you when when they're playing salsa and everyone's dancing, yeah, and then Bauer like has his headphones on on his laptop, going over his driveline videos, and he's like, "Turn it down. I can't hear the." reverb of the spin rate of my slider or, or whatever even the fuck. if he starts in with the like they should build that wall you know like right that's i'm just i'm not interested in adding that to what has made this team very very enjoyable this year is that a coyote checking oh shit that's a skunk it's a little dark oh just a skunk that's okay a skunk hopefully he doesn't come over here well you know it's better than a coyote however a skunk is coyote food I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to turn around and face this way in case the skunk <laughs> wants to sneak up on me. Okay. Uh, but I'd, Well, we I'd, don't want to get skunked. We, I would rather not. The I Padres were in danger of getting skunked today, but then they got a sack fly and <laughs> it, all, it all worked out. They lost, though. Yeah, oh, the other thing I was just going to say about Syndergaard, beyond the fact that neither of us want him objectively, the Mets beat the Padres today 
And if they beat them on Wednesday, the Mets will be with identical record of the Padres. So they're jettisoning their pitchers to our team because right because they don't they don't view themselves as being in contention. Right, and why should the Padres now? Also, the are the Padres in last place in the division. Uh yeah. So what are we doing sitting here going? Well, they 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 need to be buyers. Playoff content. No, you're in last place yeah. in the division. Tied with Colorado. You're looking all the way up. There's Colorado's falling apart. San Francisco, I would argue, is having one of the most unfortunate runs, potentially, of the franchise of late. Because this old team that's currently being powered, I mean, literally, by Alex Dickerson, the How pride of power. Is, is that? It's like 12 for 23, and is hitting home runs left and right uh, as we record this. But the Giants are now 51-50, and 50, winners of nine of their last ten. That's not a good team, John. I'm, I mean... And they've got nothing in their farm. They're just like shit. Right, so they'll... So they're they're in the murky middle. They're stuck in the murky middle. Well, that's the thing. They should be trading Madison Bumgarner. They should be trading Will Smith. This should be their pivot point to get better faster. And instead, they're going to hang on to everything because hey, let's let Boach go out in a blaze of glory. That's, okay, so I was going to say like there's there's something to let's not rob Bochy. Like yeah, it's his last season. He's turning chicken shit into chicken salad. He's probably not going to make the playoffs, but if he wants to spend this year having a, this like little bit of a magical run, and like fans coming out and you know chanting for Dickerson, who like literally last year no one had ever heard of except for diehard Padre fans that right. were here three years ago before his back blew up. Um, I I think if, if I'm the Giants, I let Bochi have that, even if it's you know doing a disservice to my my long term franchise because that guy's done so much for me. But this is what I was going to say. You could uh, package together some prospects and trade for a pitcher and probably get a Noah Syndergaard, who we both agree is not very good. Um, Or maybe if you package together enough prospects, you can get a Trevor Bauer, or maybe you can get a Marcus Stroman, who I know is your guy. Those are your options, and they're good options, right, with the possible exception of Syndergaard. At that point, you... like every move you make has to be a buying move. Like you're you're in as a buyer. Right, right. Well, I mean, right. You've you're at that point. Yeah, you're in the winning mode. Yeah. You can't you can't go and and trade prospects for a starting pitcher, but then also take like an asset you have and sell it off for prospects. I mean, you kind of could. You really. can't. As you say that, I go. Well, wait. Why not? Why couldn't you trade Kirby Yates and make a trade for a starting pitcher? Because and be. Back to a replenishing the 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 what you're sending out because the idea behind going to get the starting pitcher will not be about next year. It'll be about this year. And if you trade away the only good arm in the in the bullpen, people will lose their mind. Well, now you're hurting the team as much. As you... So my point is this: I would package Kirby Yates with Will Myers. Is there something wrong with your iPad? There's seventy gnats on, on it. Yeah, nice. The it's summer amazing. studio is really coming through tonight. Yeah, it really is. We've got now a skunk and dozens of tiny little gnats. It's like Jabba Chamberlain is on the mound. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, I would package Kirby Yates with Will Myers. Okay. And I would try. I get that. And I would try and get back like an okay prospect, right? 
And in the past, I've I've actually been against this. Like you can probably find me on this podcast being against this very idea because I'm like you're you're completely undercutting Yates's value. What you want to do if you trade Yates at this is literally his peak. If you're trading Yates right now, he's got a year left where he's arbitration eligible. He's the best closer in baseball. What you want to get back is like a top. 15 to 20 prospect or whatever they were asking for when they were trading away Brad Hand. It's the same thing. You're, yeah. it, you're just trading away Brad Hand again. Now, you you should want that top prospect, but if you could package it with Myers and then the team came out and said, and, and you get an okay prospect back, and the team comes out and says, we'd rather spend that money finding a pitcher on the free agent market than spend our prospects finding a pitcher on the trade market, I'd be way okay with that. Okay, so in other words, I'll just put brass tacks to that. If if Kirby Yates is currently getting paid, what, like $6 million or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, somewhere in there. Sure. And he'd make more next year. And... Uh, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Myers is going to make 21. 20 or 21. Yeah. This is Brad Milkey of ABC News Start Here podcast with your sports update. Down one star, the Golden State Warriors keep winning thanks to the rejuvenation of another. We'll explain coming up. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Warrior star Clay Thompson is out for the 2021 season with a torn Achilles tendon, but in his absence, two-time MVP Steph Curry has stepped up in a big way. Curry sits near the top of the league in points scored and three-pointers made and set a new personal best with 62 points in a single game. This ABC Sports update was brought to you by Progressive, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. This week at Macy's, get ready for a spring refresh with an extra 20% off with your coupon or Macy's card. Or check out amazing specials like Levi's Jeans for All, now 30 to 40% off. New Kids and Baby Looks, 50% off. And 1,250 thread count four-piece sheet sets, just $39.99. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply. 
that adds up to about the offer that you'd have to make to get Garrett Cole. That's what I'm saying. So you trade away those guys, you get a, a somewhere middle prospect, and you say, we're going to give we're going to do a very, very competitive offer to, to Garrett Cole. Um, I would much rather that than lose prospects and end up with a Trevor Bauer or Noah Syndergaard. I'd much rather keep the prospects, especially since there's a lot of pitching prospects, Yeah, keep the prospects, gain the money, and use it to be very, very competitive in free agency for a essentially fourth season in a row. I agree. Uh, you know, or you've got another way that you could do that is that you've then got the powder to work and swing something with a Strasburg, right? Whether he was opting in and being traded or opting out and signing. Yeah, and, and like literally if they came out and said, we looked at what the free, free agent market is going to be offering us uh, in the offseason, and we like that better than what the trading market is offering us now. Um, and... After a disappointing couple of weeks, uh, and now we're last in our division, we decided to do what we could to clear up this space. Like, and I know there's, you know, H.J. Preller and David Marver are going to be like, look, they're not even like league average with their spending yet. They shouldn't have to trade away money right. to sign money. And I get that. I do. And I side with them on that argument. But at the same time, Asking them every single offseason to add another $25 million, add another $25 million, add another $25 million is just not going to happen. But if you ship out $25 million and then you add $25 million, there's there's no argument against that, right? There's you yeah. can't, you, They couldn't possibly go, oh, we decided to save that money. They would have to spend it on a starting pitcher or, you know, even if a starting pitcher fell through, they'd have to use it on something else of, well, of high value. The one thing that worries me as you describe that scenario is that, of course, they wouldn't say it publicly. It wouldn't be like Ron Fowler went on Entercom and said we, what you said. You know, we made this decision and we think we can spend the money in free agency better. They wouldn't do that. They'd backdoor it, right? They'd, they'd do it in an interview with AC where it would, you know, sources in the organization say. Right. Right. So that they can get it out there without actually having to have somebody put a name to it. Right, right. Team team sources said they didn't like the options on the trading market. They prefer to use that money in free agency in the offseason. Right. Um, because it puts a little pressure. I was thinking, as you said that, it kind of puts a little bit of that Lakers-type pressure on, like, we're betting it on free agency. Like, so if we screw up and miss our top target... Then but do we overspend for Timothy Timothy Moskov? No, no, know? no. But it's it's okay because like everyone's gonna know. Okay, you're going after Garrett Cole, right? But if you swing and you miss at Garrett Cole and he signs with the Yankees or resigns in Houston, or he signs in Houston, um, you can just take that money. And go okay. Instead of getting one top flight ace pitcher, we're gonna go get two two middle of the rotation guys that have you know playoff experience that never get injured they're innings eaters they can be leaders for guys like Mackenzie Gore and Monehon um I, you you can still make effective use of that money I think it's just a promise of we're going to go into free agency with 25 million in our back pocket and we're going to spend it on something useful so 
I've been on record saying I'd rather that we didn't trade Kirby Yates, and I'm just going to stay in that position. That's fine. Uh, I, I think that the Padres can use him, that he can be part of a great team. I'm going to argue against you when you're done with this. That's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm just stating that. Like, But the scenarios you're talking about whereby they accomplish two things, that's where I'd be interested in a Kirby Yates-type trade. It's a three-corner deal, and they wind up getting a pitcher th- that they really covet, um, or they lose Meyer's salary, and, and that's huge to me. If they lost Meyer's salary without having to accept some weird bloated contract coming back, you know, obviously way, way even better. So, uh, you know, that type of scenario I'd be willing to entertain. Anything, of course, as I've said before, that makes logical sense and improves the team. I'm all for, right? But the the more simplistic talk radio buyers or sellers, oh, now we're sellers. I just don't look at it that way. I would the thing I'd be really surprised by would be for the Padres to trade Kirby Yates for another club's number three prospect who's eighteen years old in low A ball. Like I, I just I don't see them doing that. Making a trade that's gonna pay off two, three years from now. I don't see them doing that either. Like and I I'd, I I think they should move Yates, but I think they shouldn't move Yates by himself just to get a high prospect. Like, I'm not totally against it. I could, I'm sure I could argue for it if it happened. Um, but I just, I don't see nearly as much value in that as I do of of clearing Will Myers and his contract out of the way, so you can make more effective use of that money. Um, now I'm going to do two things. I'm going to make my argument for trading Kirby Yates, and then I'm going to put a nightmare scenario out there for you that's just going to make you scream. I know you've walked me through this, and I know you believe Kirby Yates is a one of those special five or six relief pitchers that isn't going to fluctuate. Because that, that's all it is. Every, like... Outside of a special five or six in the league, they all fluctuate. I mean, it might be 20, but you've got a point. They all have good years and bad years. And, you know, sure, Brad Hand is still very good. Excellent, actually. He's he's still excellent. Um, And there's a chance that Kirby Yates would continue being excellent. Yes. But I don't think that you could make an argument that this is not his peak value. This is absolutely his peak value. Yes, it is. He's got a year and a half left under team control. Yes. He is. He couldn't possibly be better than he is right now. And at his age, he's at the top of the bell curve, too. And there's there's a... I, I would say this. There's a better chance than not, just when you look at the numbers, there's a better chance than not that he's going to, before the end of that contract, have a, a down couple of months. I'm not saying it's likely. Okay, I'm saying- here's, here's another question then to put up on the whiteboard. Is there any doubt that in 2021, Andres Munoz is not, the, or is the closer? Is there any doubt that he's not the closer? No, I think he is the closer. So then Yates at that point is what for the team? Just gone? Here's the thing. That's the argument to trade it's, him, right? It's, it's it's an even tougher decision next year because his value is probably not going to be this. 
especially because he's not going to have a year to tack on to right. the, the other part of it. Um, and, you know, presumably next year they're in a better chance to, to compete. Next year they need to compete for right. a playoff. So, th- so now you can't really trade Yates because then everyone's like, oh, why are they trading Yates? I thought they were going right. to compete. So this is really the last chance you have to trade Kirby Yates. You know, the flip is, as you and, said, and, you, you and told me just value. like th- a few weeks ago that you would trade our starting catcher, Francisco Mejia, back to Cleveland for Brad Hand and Adam Simber. You said that to me. Yeah, I changed my mind on that. Okay. Um, both because I, I think I think Mejia is, is more necessary than I thought he would be. Thank God you've got me, Padres fan. Smooth and steady on the wheel while Crazy Gennaro is over here doing zigzags. You know what? I, I will own that, but that's also what makes this podcast good sometimes. Correct. And I, I don't do it on purpose. Like, I honestly just, depending on my feelings, sometimes I have different emotions. I might wake up tomorrow and be like, you can't possibly trade Yates. But here's the thing. This is the last time they probably can trade Yates. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And he's at peak value. And relief pitchers fluctuate all the time. Now, I'm going to lay out a scenario for you. Nightmare time. Well, maybe, maybe not. What if a team comes and they offer you one of their top 20 prospects for Kirby Yates and Will Myers? You're in, right? One of their top 20 or a Baseball America top 20? A Baseball America top not even top 100, like top 150. Ugh. I mean, we talked through the justification. If they made a trade like that, I'm sure you and I would sit out here and find a reason to defend it. Okay, so now let's let's bring this thing full circle. What if that team is the San Francisco Giants? <laughs> now, on one side, you're like, well, I don't want to see Yates with the Giants. And, the Giants and, have a shit system. What are they going to say? And, and look what happened. Yeah, and they're, yeah, they're, they're top 10, top 20 prospects, probably not very good. Right. Uh, probably is a top 75 on ours. And, and there's, there's someone already screaming at this podcast, look what they did with Alex Dickerson. Imagine what they would do with Will Myers. Ugh. But the other side is, if you really don't believe in Will Myers, like, you're now sticking the Giants with the bill. Right. I don't think the Giants need... Any team needs Kirby Yates, but closer isn't the problem for the Giants. That's true. Offense is the problem for the Giants. It's true. They've got a shit offense, and all of a sudden, during this run, they've had an amazing offense. But I think they still have a shit offense, and that's why they're not going to make the playoffs. And even if they added something, I don't think they'd make the playoffs unless they added, you know, Bellinger. <laughs> you know, but uh, but short of that, uh, which is not happening, I, I still don't think they will. But they may avoid uh, a very smart trading window. This is a really fascinating discussion. We're obviously not going to have the final word on it uh, right until the deadline. But there are, I think, really valid reasons both to keep and to move Kirby Yates. At this point. So at this point, if you're keeping Kirby Yates, 
And answer me honestly. At this point, if you're keeping Kirby Yates, you're doing it for next season, right? Right. So oh, absolutely. So you're counting on the fact that he's this good next year. He's been this good for now, yeah, I you know, know, like for a good enough time. Now, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I just, I've, I've, and maybe this is a little bit of Craig Stammen, but like I've just kind of, and Robert Stock, I've just kind of stopped trusting relief pitchers to, to, to stay the same. Right. Generally, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. And so if they do something smart that gets rid of Kirby Yates, I'm fine. I'm just very nervous about... They traded him for some 18-year-old kid who And plays. also the way that's going to, you know, kick this club around into the rocks. Because Yates is a big part of this club. And the fact that he's been so great, why not let him continue to be great? I know. Yeah, there's a chance to really bolster this bullpen now with Munoz so far being pretty much everything I expected him to be. The fastball 100 to 102, which makes his slider. I mean, I've seen a couple of hilarious swings. I mean, it's an unhittable pitch. Yeah, it is. It it absolutely is. And so, you know, there's so much fun with that. Now Morejon is up. He's opening we can talk about that maybe during Q and A. Did you see? Uh, you were were you at work? Or did you see any of the game today? Oh, today's game, the yeah. Paddock game, I watched. So did you saw with Baez? Except I was walking the dog while Baez pitched. Okay. I heard him give up the bomb. He's got a really nice changeup. Like I don't know what his main pitch is supposed to be, but he's got a really nice changeup. I like it. I think it's gonna embarrass some people. That Morejon knuckle curve. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, no. Ninety-seven, and then you got that. Th- I mean, like, let's hang on to this guy. That's the other reason that I would just I would think about trading Yates at his peak value right now is you just have so much pitching talent coming up. You're gonna have an overwhelming amount of pitching talent with the San Diego Padres. And so you're going to be finding guys like Baez and Morejon in, in the bullpen. And, and, you know, Gore is going to come up and uh, Patino is going to come up. And there's, you know, Cal Quantrill now looks good, which, you know me, Cal's been my guy for a while now. Well, okay, l- let's do a brief thing on this in that Cal Quantrill just pitched his best baseball as the bulk guy. I, I really like Cal Quantrill. Which, I said this earlier, and I'll defend this, Adrian Morejon was the first Padres opener. They've talked about doing this for three years. It was spring training 17 that you and I went all gaga about this, and I had a whole podcast about it, and I I really do feel like I was one of the first people around that was freaking out about how great an idea the opener was. Like, before... Tampa, I mean. So so your argument against Matt Strom being an opener last year is that they did... Those were bullpen games. Because they didn't go from him to another starter? Correct. They Got didn't it. go to a bulk guy. That's the, fine. Specifically, the opener has a bulk guy attached who's expected to go four-plus innings. Whereas when Strom finished pitching, the next guy went two, and then the guy went one and one and one and one. So that's a, that's just a Johnny Holstaff. That's fine. You know, uh, And that's how I differentiate that. Whereas Morejon specifically was not only going to go through the top half of the lineup or once through, but he was going to hand off to an off-handed starting pitcher. Right. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole ball of wax to me. 
is Morejon, is a lefty throwing 97, and now what are you going to do? Are you going to set your lineup the wrong way, or are you going to do it to face Morejon, and then Quantrill comes in and he's got the advantage? And either way, it's two different styles from two different sides. How do you prepare before the game? How do you lock yourself in mentally? You just can't. You're juggled. You know, and to to me, this is where the Padres now can start to use their organizational depth to incredible advantage the rest of this season and next season as a kid like Patino comes up, you know, as Gore comes up, that instead of throwing them into the paddock situation automatically where they, they're going six, they're going six, uh-oh, they're against their limit. We're going for it, and it's September, and they can't pitch. You make them bulk, guys. You set up an off-handed pair-off opener. Maybe you do that two or three spots in your rotation, and then paddock is lengthening out and whoever else, you know, like maybe you want Patino to only be a lengthy start, you know, et cetera. Maybe Gore is that guy, and Patino is the guy who's a bulk guy. However it plays out. This is the way to me that the Padres can maximize their winning percentage while simultaneously maximizing the effectiveness of all these young arms that are coming up but are all innings limited in the beginnings of their careers. I agree with you. Um, and this is where I want to talk uh, a little bit about not just this idea, but I'm, I'm going to divert for a minute and talk about Chris Paddock. Um, because I, I want to dive into the thing that I heard on the 5.5 podcast. Okay. Uh, where they said, and I forget who said it, because I can't really pick out their voices, um, but one of them said that he had actually heard from A.J. Preller himself that Chris Paddock would finish the year somewhere around 120 to 130 innings. And before tonight's start where he went... Five and six. He's, I, I went into the six. He went into the six. I don't know if he finished it. I don't believe he did finish it. So he went five ish tonight. Uh, he ha- he was at a, he was at ninety innings. So he had about thirty to forty innings left, which is like six, maybe seven starts if he's doing five six innings a start. Yeah, pitched to three batters in the six, didn't get any of them out. Got so it. Credited that was five. when Baez came in, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so. I was listening Alan to the podcast. Gave a bi- the bomb, by the way, Baez went one scoreless. Yeah, so they um, they brought up the idea of instead of just having Paddock pitch like five more games and then you shut him down for the remain like the last six weeks of the season, uh, turning him into an opener and having him, you know, he pitch on he pitches on his regular day, but uh, instead of going five or six innings. He goes two or three, depending on how smooth those first two innings are. If it's, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three, then maybe he gets a third inning. Right. Um, and having him lead into a, a Lucchese or a Lauer, who's kind of a that light-tossing lefty, because it's, it's an opposite arm, it's an opposite look, it's an opposite, you know, everyone's all amped up to try and hit Paddock's 95, 96, and all of a sudden sure. here comes Lauer barely touching 91, 92. Um, Add to that the first time through Paddock is devastating with two pitches. Right. Yeah, exactly. He, does, he doesn't He does even really have to pull out the curve if he's facing everyone a single time. Gave up a homer to Cano on the curve today. Right. And he actually, uh, he had a he had a strikeout early in the game on a curveball that uh, just hung right in the middle of the strike zone. The guy just froze, but it was a hanging curveball. It should have been crushed. Um, I like the idea because I, I like the idea of Chris Paddock 
continuing to contribute all season long. Sure. Um, I think that is a lot less taxing on someone than having them, you know, having them once a week throw two or three innings feels less taxing than having them once a week throw six innings. Um, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just I just generally like the idea. It keeps him involved with the, the clubhouse for the, the remainder of the season. It also keeps him... I'm going to be... I'm going to say a dumb thing. You feel free to ignore it. Okay. It keeps him warm and it keeps him going in the off chance that they make some sort of miracle run into the playoffs. Right now, he hasn't been resting for six That's weeks. Fine. He's they can get to the playoffs. And go screw it. He's going to start this game. He's we're giving him five innings in this game. You're not wrong, but I'm going to ignore that. You should. You should. It's silly. Yes, I'm. Just, you know, planning for all me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Possibilities here, that's right. it. Uh, okay, you said so you were on, against this idea before uh, we no, started recording. No, I mean, recording. on paper, I agree with that. I really do. Like, you know, the biggest part of that being allowing him to continue to contribute because he's a huge uh, competitor. He's very intense. It's also a significant boost to the bullpen if you do it that way rather than just, oh, bye, guys. Right. Paddock is developing as an ace-type starter. That's what he's turning into. You know, again, AC, you know, which is kind of yeah i mean he's doing a really nice lyrical job of doing his job it is padre's profit many days and there was a story like that but but in a lot of times they're not wrong either and it's just all this glowing writing is because there's really something good to write about and one of those is i mean the padres are convinced i don't know if you saw that story but the, the padres are convinced that paddock is gonna have that third pitch that it's just around the bend. The curveball's not far. Right. The curveball is not far. And off. when he starts to have like a Roy Halladay curveball instead of just that roller, then he's going to be Roy Halladay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. Who just went in posthumously, rest in peace, to the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's got that type of mentality, that type of body, as long as he stays healthy. And that'd be the reason I would not do the opening. That'd be the only reason is health concern is by 
putting him in a relief role? Does he start to overthrow? And does that in some way tax him beyond? We're, we're trying to make him a starter. Why change his overall pedigree? Maybe just let him finish starting and then shut him down. If the Padres are 10 games under 500, it really doesn't matter anyway. We can just let Baez get some starts or call up the next guy, you know, uh, and, and take it from there. Um, that'd be the only argument against, but if they did it, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd, that'd be kind of cool in a way. Well, and I like the idea of, you know, he's, he's one opener and, and Motihon's your other opener right. and, you know, Motihon is setting up a, a Cal Quantrill or a righty or something and Paddock is setting up one of the soft tossing lefties. Now, counterpoint, I'd be just as happy or happier but Paddock wouldn't be happy about this, seeing as we're walking down these experimental paths that probably won't happen. To flip that and make Paddock the bulk pitcher, but his bulk is going to be four to five maximum, and just institute that immediately, where now Marajon is leading into Paddock. Paddock's going to get a chance to get way more wins. But four to, if, I mean, four to five innings, you're not, you're still going to run into that one twenty, one thirty range. Yeah, but you get a couple more. You get like one, maybe two extra up here. At least get two because he's averaging about six innings. I mean, about. Yeah, I so, don't know. I I. All right, so now let's bring it back. Um, I listened to two different Padres podcasts this morning. Slut. And I just I you know two weeks off. I wanted to get a good feel for what's everyone talking the about. Zeitgeist. By the way, uh, update: John heard rustling and is now facing. Skunk slash coyote territory again. I gotta make sure you you don't have your back turned to it. You're, you're like the Jack all... Reacher of our group. You're gonna just make sure you face the door in case the bad guys. You're come just in. sitting here all comfortable because you can see what's coming at you. That's right. So I was listening to two other Padres podcasts, and both of them mentioned the opener, and both of them said, you know, the Padres need to do more of this. Sure. Uh, and I one agree. one was a simple argument of like, hey, everyone's been talking about this for years. It's only smart, especially with these guys like Lucchese can't go through the lineup a third time because he right. gets rocked. Um, you know, Paddock only has so many innings before he runs out. Like, it only makes sense to use more of the opener. I think Lucchese's a dream bulk guy. Exactly. Yeah, because he'll he'll give you a strong four innings. Right. Um, and. Uh, the other one was just like it's it's smart and they need to start doing this. And they need to understand that like the other smart teams in baseball are doing this and they should be copying those teams. To both of them, and I heard no conversation about this. To both of them, I would simply say, Andy Green is not that guy. Andy Green is not that guy. He's not going to be that guy. He's never been that guy. Uh, and if Andy Green has shown you anything, it's that you know new modern baseball is not his thing. He might talk a big game occasionally, but by and large, he's an old school baseball guy that believes in old school baseball things. And he's got till the end of the year to prove otherwise, or else I think, given that the Padres don't look like they're heading right now for a playoff run, he's going to be out. I, and and I, the, the next manager is going to be in. I would love it if Andy all of a sudden started using the opener and was a lot smarter about it. Uh, I'd also love it if Andy was replaced at some point with another manager who was more open to it. Um, but as of right now, like I think it's a little shallow to just say like the Padres should do this. Yeah, you're right. They should. Will they? I don't know. Like we've been talking about the opener for three years, and 
they just now kind of tried it once. And it was probably, if we're being honest, at the behest of A.J. Preller to just get Motihone up here. And if we're digging even deeper than that, it may have been a request from A.J. Preller so that he could show showcase Motihone to try and get some sort of trade worked out. Like, at no point did it look like Andy Green sat there and went like, hey, you know what's a good idea that other people are doing? And so that that leads me to believe that Andy's not going to suddenly start doing this uh, regularly unless he's ordered to do so by A.J. Preller, at which point, why is he even there? A couple of players having a really rough July and one guy having a July that might turn around his career after this. If there were a world record for world's greatest delay of game, it would definitely go to 2020. But here's the thing. Even if your MLB team got to take a break, your business didn't. And hiring has to keep moving, even when the game stops. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because it connects you to the best candidates fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you payment flexibility and full control over your hiring. So you only pay for what you need. Plus, you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Indeed also gives you powerful tools to make your search easier, like sponsored job posts, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. 73% of online job seekers visit Indeed each month. Maybe that's why over 3 million companies have trusted Indeed to help bring on the important hires that keep your business moving. Right now, Indeed is offering listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash SBMLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash SBMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The protests against police violence in America have become one of the largest movements in American history with the help of access to cameras, social media, and internet organizing. But when images of police violence go viral, they affect everyone, from the people who record them. I was confused, but I was enraged at the same time. So I had to use my mind, take a step back, and keep using the camera that I used to the people who watch them in their news feeds. And we're getting our first look at police body cam video showing the tasing and arrest. The Verge's new multimedia project, Capturing the Police, explores this national reckoning by talking to the people on the front lines. This incident really changed how our community really does things because everybody really took a part in taking a movement and making it into something else. You can view the entirety of Capturing the Police, the videos, the reports, the guides, the interviews at TheVerge.com. So you listen to Padres podcasts and I, I keep reading Sack Bunt, Dustin's newsletter and Dennis Lynn and The Athletic. You know and- why I, I don't read Sack Bunt and Dustin's newsletter as much anymore? Why? Because I got you onto it. Because you've been so, traveling I'm, and then you're I'm, in Florida. I'm so glad I got you onto it. But... I don't want you and me always reading the same thing because yeah. we'll keep coming to the same conclusion. We might as well just turn it, the, turn over 10 minutes to Dustin so, then each week. Yeah, we absolutely should do that. But what I've started doing is basically just waiting until we record the podcast and then I go back and I read like the most recent five. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, these are all great, but I don't want to go into every podcast thinking the same thing as you. But anyway. Well, you know, the right. thing about Dustin is that he, he keeps paying attention to the margins as well as what's right in front of you. And that's what I appreciate. And- 
the counting stats for Eric Hosmer continue to look pretty good. And, you know, if you dare, you know, you're going to, you, the midday host in the intercom is going to be like, he's look at his RBIs. He's having a great season. He's going to have 100 RBIs. But it's the same guy who said they should trade Hunter Renfro for Thor last week. Absolutely. Right. Ugh, really? He did? It was, uh, no, he had a, he had a deal. Of course he did. I don't care. But he It did. was like Luis Urias, Hunter Renfro. Are you and, shitting me? And someone else. For he, fucking Thor? For Thor. And I was like, why? Like, More, I, no. I, I, have, I have the opposite reaction to a Hunter Renfro trade idea as I do the Kirby Yates one. Like, the Kirby Yates one, I'm like, this is absolutely his peak value. With the Hunter Renfro one, I'm like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. He gets better every year. Okay, just call up Seinfeld, Jay Buhner rant. That's all you... That's... I submit, Your Honor. That's my submission. The defense rests. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Clutch it with a rocket arm! <laughs> Why the hell did you trade Jay Buhner? <laughs> but... Okay. Eric Hosmer quietly is having a horrible July. 203, 225, 261. Wow. So he's not hitting. He's not hitting for power, and he's not walking. Just said his career high in errors, too, by the way. I was going to say, and he's been playing awful defense. His WRC plus is in the month is 27. He's one of the... Ten worst hitters in baseball in July. Probably the worst first baseman in baseball. And he's having his second worst month of his Padres career. And his first worst month of his Padres career was July of last year. So post-All-Star break, Eric Hosmer has gone into a tailspin two years in a row. Last year, September, he broke out of it. September of 18 was his fifth best month as a Padre. But July and August were terrible. They were the, his first and fourth worst months as a Padre. This was the time last year when everyone realized that his launch rate was awful. And then it was in September when all of a sudden his launch rate got a little bit better after he was like, I'm not changing a thing. So Hosmer is starting to be the exact same player that he was last year. He's kind of rounding back to about the same player. He's just got more RBI. Because of Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. Yeah. That's why he has more RBI. It's because two players way better than him are either hitting around him and he's the Oreo, the, the filling in the Oreo sandwich, or he's hitting behind them and hitting some stupid little blooper or a ground ball to short that Tatis scores from second base. You know, or a pop-up to second base and Tatis tags up and scores. He's definitely not a... Uh fearsome hitter these days that's for sure i i think he had a really good month this year maybe even two of them um, oh he did yeah the last two months were really good so may and june yes. May and june were very good for him. really good yeah and then july brings him kind of right back into the range of what he was last year which is simultaneously depressing for the padres in that they still are going to keep paying this dude at least three more years after this year, and they can't even trade him until year four uh, of the deal. But at the same time, the exciting thing to me, John, is that Eric Hosmer is currently hitting sixth for the Padres. So the Padres have become, over the last month, far more merit-based than they ever were before. Myers is on the bench. Margot has risen up to number two 
for this road trip in the lineup. Hedges is mostly on the bench. Right, Hedges is on the bench. Orias is up, which means Kinsler's on the bench. You know, the, there's a meritocracy here. It's working out. Uh, you know, Jankowski didn't just get straight called up. He got activated and put back on the AAA roster. Right. Because he can't currently crack, though, though we thought they would force him in, he can't crack the current outfield roster. He also just hasn't really been hitting in AAA. Yeah. I know it's been like a week, but he hasn't been. He, the, the time he's spent there has not been good time so far. So my point in saying all that is that the Padres really can get away with Hosmer kind of sucking and still be great. You know, they can with him just kind of being okay with being good sometimes. You know, a slight lean toward good. Uh, that might be enough for the Padres in the gestalt because they've got so much else. So I'm going to bring up... Um uh, I, I'm going to go back to the San Francisco Giants just because I guess that's where my brain is right now. Um, but the the San Francisco Giants team that <clears throat> went to the World Series against the then, I believe, Anaheim Angels. I okay, remember this 2002. Team. Yeah. And I recall this team because I recall their first baseman didn't really hit for anything. He was the guy who, J.T. Snow. Yeah. JT's defensive stud. Defensive stud. And I was like, I remember sitting there going, first base is like the first position that, that you assume hits, and he can't hit. And I was like, but it doesn't matter because Jeff Kent hits. And Rich Aurelia. Because Rich Aurelia hits. Correct. They were getting offense from positions that normally you go, like, this is a defensive Correct. thing. Was Buster? No, it was no. before Buster Puzzy. Correct. Um, but, yeah, if, if the Padres can get offense from Urias, if they can get offense from Tatis, if they can get offense from Mejia, if they can get offense from Margot, then you're okay with your first baseman being kind of a zero offensively. Right. You hope he's not a zero defensively, but you at least can live with it because the offense is not dependent on that position being a good offensive one. Yeah, well, um, we don't need him to devolve to JT Snow levels of hitting 220 or whatever, but— right. As long as he's hitting 270 with some line drives and some doubles. And, you know, the thing about Hosmer that you don't realize because you watch him every day is how poorly he compares to other first basemen. You get used to watching him. You get used to his gap power and occasional power. You think this is what every first baseman Right. But he's actually one of the very worst slugging first basemen in baseball, and everyone is power spiking across baseball with a juiced ball, but Hosmer is not. Hosmer doesn't have 20-something homers, you know, and as a result, yeah, think about how much better the Padres would be if Max Muncy just replaced Eric Hosmer yeah, I in mean, the lineup. Hitting it'd be amazing. bombs over all, well, all so the time. So this is where I'm going to go back to H.J. Uh, Preller, who you did the, the season preview with, and he said one of the smartest things ever, and I keep thinking about Brian Giles, Brian Giles eventually reached a point with the Padres where he didn't have his power anymore. Remember when he came over, he was a home run hitter. Right. And then he lost his power. And what did he do? He turned his on-base skills into an elite skill. And it didn't matter that he didn't have the power because he was just on base all of the time. Right. I think Eric Hosmer should, if if he's listening to this podcast, I think he should dedicate himself to being an, an elite on-base guy. Because, um, look, everyone... 
yeah, you just reference slugging, but like, what's the main thing people look at to define whether or not a player is good or not is OPS. Half of that equation is getting on base. Right. And you just said in the month of July, his on base, what, like 220? And one of the worst parts of his decline as a Padre so far, but particularly this year, has been in his walk rate. Like, Hosmer needs to walk more. He also takes terrible swings at pitches out of the zone all the time. Like, all the time. Especially uh, swinging at outside fastballs and popping them up. Like, constantly. So, if he could turn himself into uh, a guy who just never swings at balls, only swings at strikes... He's gonna be. He's likely going to be hitting maybe second if he could get his on base percentage over three hundred, and he would be right behind Tatis, trying to move Tatis up to scoring position, and he'd be getting on base for Manny Machado and Fran Mil Reyes. He would be a, a, an excellent addition to the offense if he could do that one thing, which seems like a skill that he should be able to develop. And I don't care if he hits two home runs all year long if his on base percentage is three fifty. Don't disagree with that. Right now, though, that number two spot in the lo- in the lineup is held by Manny Margot. In the last 30 games, and that's a nice little slice, right? That's about 100 at-bats, right? It's about a fifth of the season. It's a little less than a fifth of the season, but it's about a fifth of the season. You're talking about a player that, and I just want to start with this, in those 30 games has walked 14 times and struck out 16. So he's almost one-to-one walk-strikeout ratio, hitting 298 with a 404 on base and a 571 slugging. John Gennaro, is Manny Margot fixed? Are we good? So here's my current stance on Manny Margot, and as I stated earlier, I could wake up tomorrow and have a totally different impression on it. But here it is. Um... For From watching Manny Margot the last few years, and I think I had a rant on this podcast once where I explained that I thought Manny Margot might be dumb because he plays like he's dumb. Right, you did say that. I didn't like it. And I've been watching him for three years, and, and even you know as this little thing started up, I was like, you know, he... Me, 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 but also you... The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. He still sometimes does dumb things. And as he started breaking out, I, I I saw a tweet that blew my mind and kind of opened my eyes to the whole dumb thing. Do you know how old Manny Margot is? He's pretty young still, isn't he? I believe he's like 23. Which is the age that most major league players... Turn, no, he's 24. He'll turn 25 in September. Okay, so he's 24. 24 is like a, a pretty standard age for a prospect to make it to the majors. Yeah. And what I what I realized is is not that he's dumb. I mean, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But what I realized is he just didn't have like the instincts, like the reps that you need to get the instincts on what to do in that split second, right? You get caught in a pickle. What do you do? 
Like you see something on the with the pitcher's motion. What do you do? You know, the pitcher makes this adjustment to you while you're in the batter's box. What do you do? And what I've seen over this, and hopefully it sticks, is more of those decisions seem to be coming natural to him instead of freezing him. Gotcha. And so he seems to be playing without thinking. And as soon as you start playing without thinking, whether or not you're smart or dumb is almost irrelevant. You're just playing with instincts. You know exactly what to do. Um, and so he, he just seems more comfortable. And it seems like a guy who, honestly, it, it looks like a guy who came up after spending four years in the minors. Except he came up after spending like two years in the minors or three years in the minors. And so... Um, I'm, I tend to believe it, like which is strange for me because he's been so streaky back and forth. But he just looks different to me. And, and again, what looks different is not the ball off his bat. It's not the, the stolen bases, which look great. It's just the comfort level. He doesn't look like he's trying to make decisions. He looks like he knows exactly what to do when something happens to him. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get excited because I'm remembering the type of prospect he was, you know, five tool player, potential superstar center fielder. Like, I, I, I don't think there's a chance that he ever gets up in this Tatis Machado range of superstar. But God, if he could be like an above average center fielder, that would be so, so, so huge for the 2020 Padres, the 2021 Padres, the 2022 Padres. Um, yeah, I tend to believe it. And again, it's it's just because he he doesn't look like he's trying to figure the game out anymore. He looks like he's just playing. You you got to a, a good point and uh, and a good place in that discussion. I mean, I just toss all the smart dumb stuff out the window. Well, and I I, I always said, even when I talked about that, I said it doesn't mean he's a dumb person. Right. It just meant he was making dumb like baseball, baseball decisions. decisions. I understand that. Well, for example, Fernando Tatis at twenty. We think he's got the most incredible baseball instincts. And when he was up in a one-run game against a struggling closer in Chicago, he decided twice to bunt. Right. And, like, after he did it the first time, his manager didn't scream or basically, you know, have the first base coach run down the the line and go, no, you're our best hitter. Hit, 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 please. Um, And, and again, big story today in the UT, today's line was, hey, we need to let people know that that Fernando is – tired he's hitting the wall in fact it was put in like huge i thought it's hilarious in some ways the ut's coverage is hilarious but it was because it was like a big font today on my digital newspaper hitting the wall like <laughs> like oh he hit the wall yeah. and, if, and over his last 15 games fernando tatis is hitting 313 <laughs> quite know, a so, wall yeah he's crushing that wall baby but here's where it is true and Look, he got hits his last two at bats basically after I checked out of this game today. Once they fell behind five nothing, finished two for five with a run and an RBI, and it's like well, he had a great game. He started off with three straight strikeouts. Yeah, and the one thing to note is that in his last seven games, when he is hitting two twenty six and has had four errors in that span as well, that he's got fourteen strikeouts against two walks. And if you go back to the last 15 games, even though he's hitting well, 23 strikeouts to four walks. So the one great thing about Tatis leading off, in addition to his speed, power, dynamic approach, electric, electricity, everything, 
was that he actually was showing a really good eye. Yeah. And I think that's where we're seeing the the wall. And the one thing that I would kind of just say as a note of caution again, you know, I, I keep thinking that when all is said and done, my original preseason prediction is going to be the closest I come to the Padres' actual record. Because these second-half attrition issues, I just see as kind of stacking up for the 2019 Padres. We know about the paddock innings limit. We've got these other left-handers who are stretching out. And what if Lauer and Lucchese have a fade coming? You know, Yates has been so fucking good. Can he possibly be, in, you know, Rivera good the whole year? So on his... Uh, uh, Renfro, Reyes, you know, guys who have had career halves. Yeah. Are they going to possibly sustain? But Tatis is the other part of that. Like, if Tatis starts having a lot of three strikeout games, the Padres are going to really struggle to generate offense. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think we were, you, you started off by talking about Manny Margot, though. Well, we, Mar- we, were, we were talking about... It, it sounded like you were going down the road of, like, as good as Tatis is now, the idea is after, you know, three, four years of playing baseball at this level, he'll have all those instincts down. He'll be even better. Sure. And so... Well, that's the parallel we can draw to what you were saying. Is yeah. That as Margot improves, maybe just the more elegant way to say the whole thing is baseball development is highly nonlinear. And for the superstar like Tatis who comes up and is a rocket. There are so many other guys who come up, have a great first year, and then are never heard from again. Yeah. Or a Margot maybe is just a slower, you know, he he's not a, a microwave quick, quick riser. He's a souffle, you know, and maybe that's just what Margot is, and his next six years are going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's always a game of adjustments, right? Like, even if, if you're incredibly talented, you'll come up and chances are you'll have success early and then they'll adjust to you. And then whether or not you're successful depends on how you adjust to them adjusting to you. And it's just the game of chess back and forth. And it's going to be like that for a few years until they just decide, OK, here are his strengths. Here are his weaknesses. We'll try and play to his weaknesses and understand that, you know, if we make a mistake, it's playing into his strengths and even his weaknesses are pretty good. Um I think Margot, it's taken him a few go-arounds to learn how to make that adjustment quickly, make make that adjustment on the plot on the fly, see what they're trying to do to him, and figure out how he wants to attack that. Um, and you know, Tatis now is is facing kind of his first go-around of okay, they're they're learning the pitches that he he has a really hard time laying off of. So how does he teach himself to lay off of those pitches that he normally swings at so that he can get better at getting on base again? I think the future is fascinating in this regard, but it's just so interesting that even just like five weeks ago, Margot would be the last guy in any of our minds. They're talking about putting him to AAA. Yeah. And now here's a guy who has surged his way back into the conversation. Um and it just takes people different times to get to where they want to be. And that's the last point I'm going to make, bringing up a different guy, who is the guy we started the podcast with, the first name I mentioned, which is Luis Urias. He's now played three games for the pod since coming back. In those three games, his first game he went one for four. He scored a run. In his second game, he went 0 for two, but he walked twice. He scored two runs. 
in his last game, 0 for 3, but he walked. He's walked three times. He's struck out twice since coming up. He's 1 for 9. When I watch him, I still see a guy that I feel is, like, blocked. He's like the guy where the basketball god puts the lid on the rim. You know what I mean? It just it just feels like they just won't let him get a hit. Like, they won't let him break out. And and he feels like he's... like. But when I see that three walks to only two strikeouts so far, it tells me the Padres are doing the right thing and it's going to lead to the right result. Don't give up. He's reached base at least once every game. His job is to reach base and score and play great defense. That's what Urias is supposed to contribute to our great teams. Stay with it. Be patient. His progression will be nonlinear. It will neither be like Tatis's, nor Margot's, nor Machado's. It will be his own path, and let's see where it goes. Well, and to the point that I was making earlier, like this team is likely not going to the playoffs. They're 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 not that team. They're last in their division. They're tied with the Colorado Rockies. They're essentially tied with the New York Mets. These are teams that know that they're not going anywhere, so the Padres should face that same fact, which means they should absolutely just go, you're the second baseman for the remainder of the year. We want to see what you got. There's no reason not to do that. I don't care what his batting average is at. I don't care how many bad games he has. Uh, if he has any so far, to your point, I don't really think he has. Um there's no reason not to give him an extended look this season and, and see what he has. Last thing, last, John, uh, we asked for questions on Twitter. We've pretty much answered all of them over the course of all of our Let's uh, Let's hit the ones discussion. that we haven't answered. Correct. Will Woodruff actually wrote while we were taping. Okay. But asked something that wasn't asked, which is, you know, a lot of names have been thrown around in trade rumors online, but there doesn't seem to be much mention of who our expendable players are. Guys like, for example, Josh Naylor, Ty France, Hudson Potts, etc., who are blocked by Machado and Hosmer. Uh, I Sure, I understand their value isn't high enough to be the centerpiece of a trade, but surely something like Motorhon with Naylor, Potts, France could yield a decent return. I actually think Will's correct about that. I here's what I want to say about this. This is in general to trades. And because I say it out loud on the podcast, I'm going to guarantee myself to be wrong by next week's recording. But I think the Padres are going to once again kick the tires a bunch of times and not do anything or do something small. When it comes to something like this, the Matt Latos type trade of four for one, you know, uh, but I think in the offseason they will. I think for sure in the offseason, if they don't get the right trade, if the exact right cherry doesn't come along in the next week, that's the kind of trade they're going to make in the offseason. And I think they will get value in bulk that way. The the one thing I'll say, and I'm not disagreeing with you or him, I actually think you're both right. Um, The one thing I will say is if you're planning on contending next season, you don't just build a a 25-man roster and go, this is our team going forward. You have to plan for what happens if Hosmer has a catastrophic injury and he's out for the year. You can't just go like, oh, well, we'll just figure out who plays first base. You have to have a plan ready. Machado goes down with a major injury, and you still want to contend. You have to have a plan ready. So, like, just because they have a good third-base prospect or first-base prospect or second-base prospect and— 
they also have a good starting player at the major league level too, does not mean they need to trade one of them right now. They can wait a little while um, and use that guy as a backup plan in case of injury. Correct. And the very last thing that I'd just like to talk to very, very briefly, A. Flores says or asks, do you really, really, really see us winning a World Series within the next three to five years? This is what I'd like to say at A. Flores 619. The Kansas City Royals planned a window to be great. And they went to the World Series twice and they won it. The Pittsburgh Pirates planned a window to be great. But they couldn't win their division. Because every year there was one team that was a powerhouse. And they would win 95 games. And they'd be stuck in a one-game playoff. And the dice didn't fall their way. And the Pirates never went to the World Series. And now they're back to a rebuilding window. Uh... The Twins look terrific this year and look like they're heading into a window. But are they going to go to the World Series and win in the window? Another team I'd like to bring up, the Oakland A's, and I've brought this team up before, in the early 2000s were an absolute powerhouse that ran into the Yankees at the wrong time in the wrong moments and didn't make it to the World Series. I would ask to our great listeners, if the Padres are legitimately terrific the next five years, 2020 through 2024, every team wins over 90 games. Every team either is in the playoffs or is right there or, you know, et cetera. But maybe they make the wild card four years in a row because the fucking Dodgers just don't get off their high horse. You know, and maybe one year the Padres finish better than the Dodgers. And we go, huzzah, this is our year. This is our year. But that's the year you run into whoever that year's stud. Yankees. Right, or that year's Bumgarner is, you know, yeah. that just shoves you the at the wrong time in the wrong place. Are we going to go, this whole thing was a failure? Fuck no. This is baseball, guys. If we're going to root for baseball, we have to understand. As Bart Giamatti said, so, you know, baseball is designed to break your heart. It was made to break your heart. There's a very good chance that at the end of all of this, we still have no no hitter and no joy. But God damn it, I'm in for the ride. Right. No, I mean, the the. The playoffs are essentially random. That's it. I mean, they're 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 not totally random. Yeah, but this ain't the NBA, right? But they're but they're somewhat random. Uh, one guy can take over an entire series, um, which has worked in the benefit of the Padres sometimes. Like that that '98 Padres team, I don't think they were necessarily like the best team in the National League all year long, right? But you know, when they when they had to play against the Astros. They got big pitching performances. Yeah, and then Sterling Hitchcock could outduel Tom Glavin, right. who won the Cy Young. Right, you know? twice, I think. Yeah. Uh, so the, the playoffs are essentially random, but yeah, I think in the next few years, the Padres will regularly be thought of as one of the contenders. 
uh, I, and I, I think we can regularly expect over 90 wins, and I expect that most of the next five to six seasons, they will be punching their ticket to at least a wild card playoff game. Uh, and that that's really all you can, I don't want to say it's all you can hope for, you can hope for more, but that's all you can really expect when you look at the amount of talent that's coming through is to say, like, they should be in the playoffs almost every year. If they were in a different division, I would say, look at they're about to go on a string of division title runs. Yeah, but the Dodgers The Dodgers exist. Impossible. They're they're a real thing that managed to be World Series participant back to back years and now the best team in baseball while never trading away their Alex Verdugos and their Bellingers, you know, all their young studs who are now becoming superstars. And they've still got Gavin Lux coming up and all these guys coming up. Like, they've still got it. Urias, their Urias is not yet fully realized. Yeah. Like, they've still got guys on the make. So, like, the Dodgers aren't going away. And yeah, don't, don't, don't expect the Padres are going to be the best team in baseball right. just because we know they're going to be great and very talented. There are other great and very talented teams. But the Padres, while they... While I will never say, yes, they will win the World Series in the next three to five years, they're going to have a shot. They're going to have a shot maybe four times in the next five years. A shot. Whether they come anywhere close to having that shot hit, they're going to have a shot because they're going to be one of the six best teams in baseball. You know, And that's all you can ask for. And at that point, you and I will say the Padres have been made great. Again. also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.